Okay, hi everyone. It's good to be here today. You all doing well? Yeah. Um, but um, let me uh, just just before I get going, um, just to say, next weekend I'm going to be in Albania. It's my kind of annual visit to Albania, as uh, many of you know. We support a church and a, a, a church leader, Eddie, uh, in Albania. Um, they're gearing up to. They're planting a new church in the capital of Albania, Tirana. They're, they're launching sort of more publicly next weekend in a new venue. There was some bit of a, a setback with the venue that uh, we got everyone to pray about and uh, praise God. They found a new venue uh, just in the nick of time, ready for next weekend. So that's, that's really good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to being with them. Hopefully I'm an encouragement to them and I'll report back next week about how it's all going. It's just all part of our... Um, aim as a church to make a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to be part of reaching out, not just in Lewis and and the surrounding area, but also do what we can wherever we can, including in Albania, to help people come to know Jesus. And we can do that through uh, Eddie's church out there. Well, um, let me just pray, and then we'll uh, have a look at Acts together. Father God, thank you for your words. Thank you for Uh, the amazing events uh, in the early church that we've been looking at in the book of Acts. We do thank you, Lord, that you've still given us your spirit today to help us reach out and empower us for mission. And we pray you bless us as we look at these things together. We just want to think for a moment, Lord, thank you that we can meet together here in safety and comfort this morning. Our hearts just go out to Christians around the world and many people around the world affected by earthquakes and storms and floods. We pray, Lord, for, for Christians in those situations, all that w- who had their churches reduced to rubble, or the, the roof ripped off, or the building washed away. We pray, be with them today, and Lord, may they bring your hope in situations of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, some of you may have heard me say this story before, but I was really struck when I heard about uh, this guy who worked at an engineering company, uh, he'd been there five years, and it came to his leaving due. He was moving on from the company, and at his leaving party, one of his colleagues stood up and said, you know, Rob, we, uh, we all agree that you're the most likable person we've ever worked with. Um, you've got such integrity and patience. And then he said something which made Rob, who was a Christian, realize he'd missed this massive five-year-long opportunity the colleagues said, well, we were trying to work, it, work out what was it about you that makes you so special and different. And we decided that we must, you must be a Buddhist. And um, you see, it's not enough for people to just see the work of God in our lives um, or in our church. And then just leave them to draw their own conclusions. If we're going to be effective witnesses for Jesus, we need to give them an explanation. We need to give them the reason Why we are the way we are, given the reason for the hope that we have. Tell them about Jesus. And uh, we're back in Acts chapter 2 this morning, part of our series on the early church. And uh, last week we heard about the amazing things that happened when Jesus kept his promise. He, He returned to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit to empower his disciples for mission. And, um, Amazing things happened, and one of the things was this dramatic uh, occasion where these Christians began to speak new languages that they'd never learned, speaking in tongues, as we would call it. 
And uh, it was a sign that God was taking the message of Jesus to all people of all nations, was gathering people together. And, uh, but somehow, conveniently, in Jerusalem at the time, as the, this amazing thing was going on, there were people listening in. Somehow they weren't, they can't have been tucked away somewhere. They must have been in a reasonably public sort of place because people were able to listen in to what was going on. And in fact, there were people around in Jerusalem gathered for a festival um, to, and people from different nations and people who spoke different languages. And they started hearing these people speaking their language. And, um, but actually, the people who were speaking the language were these, as they would have put it, sort of uncultured northerners. Um, you're thinking, how can these guys, how they suddenly become language experts? These men from Galilee, a sort of uncultured part of Israel. And they're declaring the wonders of God. They were somehow pray, talking about all the great things that God had done in these, all these different languages. And people were listening in. And the crowd started to gather. And there was a bit of confusion about what was going on. People were uh, saying this, verse 12. Um, in Acts chapter 2, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? However, some, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Presumably, it's the people who didn't understand the languages. It just sounded like sort of drunken gibberish. Uh, they didn't really know what they were talking about. But there's this opportunity there. There's this crowd has gathered there asking questions, something amazing has happened. It was the opportunity for the first bit of witnessing to Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Uh, we're going to look um, at what Peter said. He's kind of preaching his speech on that first day. He didn't leave them wondering. He hadn't prepared anything. I don't think he pulled out his notes. The Spirit guided him on what to say. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not a street preacher, I'm, um, I'm, I'm not going to end up debating to crowd, with crowds and things. But these are really good principles for all of us. Really interesting to look. You know, what, how did God guide him to speak to people? And actually, it says a lot about how we should, when we get the opportunity, speak to people today. So we're going to look at three things. Answer their question, tell them about Jesus, and call for a response. Um, we're gonna, so, so, it's a longish bit of the Bible to look at, so we're going to split it up and just read each bit as we go through the three points. So first of all, answer their question. This is how Peter answered these questions of uh, what's going on, what does this mean? Look at verse 14, it'll be on the screen as well. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to, to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord's. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter answers their question um, by saying, no, this is not the drink talking. This is God talking. This is God doing something amazing. He's pouring out his spirit just as he promised to do long ago. He, he does this quote from the Old Testament prophet Joel. And it's in Joel chapter 2 in our Bibles. Um, but what he's saying is this is not just a wacky thing that's happening to this group of people in Jerusalem. He's saying, actually, this is the beginning of something potentially for everyone. It's the beginning of a new phase in history. He talks about the last days. It's like the final phase of God's plan, where all of God's people, everyone who believes and trusts in Jesus, will be empowered by the Spirit. But it's also a phase of history, he says, that comes with a warning Something dramatic is coming, the day of the Lord. And he talks about some sort of signs and things that will lead up to that time. Jesus will return on the day of the Lord, the Bible calls it. Jesus will return to judge the world, to save his people, to sort out everything that's wrong with the world. And people need to be ready for this. He says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he starts with people's question, but he turns it around to start talking about Jesus and the need to respond to him. We'll come back to a bit more of Peter's message in a minute. But how do you feel about someone asking you a question that could lead on to you talking about Jesus or your faith in Jesus, the difference that he makes in your life? A witnessing opportunity, we might call it. Now, a lot of us would like that in theory. Maybe you've had that, but maybe you think, oh, I wouldn't know what to say, or I'll fluff it, I'll put them off. What about what Jeff was saying the other week? He's talking about that classic Monday morning question. How was your weekend? Do, do anything nice? How can we use that as an opportunity to witness for Jesus? Maybe putting something positive and attractive across about church. You don't necessarily have to say, oh, it was a brilliant, brilliant talk on Sunday morning from Al. Um, you know, you, 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 might, you might say that if you think that that would, that would be relevant for them. But it could also be other things about your church. It's just, I just love getting together with my friends from church. Uh, you know, I felt really cared for or whatever it might be. You might say, well, actually, people are not really interested. You know, they say, how was your weekend? But they, whenever I mention church, uh, they, they move on to, to something else. Um, I think Jack was saying uh, in our small group, uh, if you don't mind me saying Jack, he was saying that uh, I think he tried it on one of his work colleagues recently, and uh, his, his friend said that he was working on his patio. Jack said he went to church. The other guy went back to talking about his patio. <laughs> but um, God gives us opportunities. And sometimes maybe we get the feeling, actually, this isn't just a polite question. This is a real question. That's the kind of thing that we really would love, isn't it? The, a real, genuine question where they actually want to know. They want to hear. A friend of mine, um, sadly, his, um, his adult son had many health problems. And uh, in his 40s, his son died. I, I remember taking the funeral. 
And uh, people asked Ron, people that he knew weren't Christians, they said, you know, how, how are you coping with all of this? And he was able to say, and he wasn't a great evangelist and not known for saying these kind of things, but he was able to say, I'm a Christian and it, it, it's God. God is helping us through this time. It's a pattern that we actually read about as, as we go through Acts, this idea of sort of answering questions, answering sort of real questions that people are asking. In Acts chapter 8, we've got uh, this guy Philip, guided by the Spirit to an Ethiopian official who's reading the Bible but doesn't understand it and starts asking some questions. And we read that Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. This guy goes on to become a Christian and get baptized. But it all started with answering a question. In fact, it's not just in Acts as well. Peter, who's speaking on the day of Pentecost in Acts, later on when he writes his first letter to Christians, 1 Peter, uh, says this, 1 Peter 3.15, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Not every Christian has a preaching ministry or a debating ministry or writing apologetic uh, books. But we've all got an answering ministry. We all are called to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And it's so much easier, isn't it, when people actually ask a question and want to know I've dined out uh, for many years on the story of when I worked in a factory. And this guy, after chatting to him for a number of months, he said to me, so what actually is a Christian? And he really wanted to know. It's great. But um, I'd love to have more opportunities like that. The kind of time when you think, I'm not going to be putting my foot in it by telling them, answering this question. I'm not trying to slip it in, even, even though they don't really want to know. They really want to know. Can I encourage you? Pray. Pray for people to ask questions. Pray for opportunities to give an answer. How might that come about? It might be just through the way that you live, prompting a question. If you're living in a distinctive way, as we should be as Christians, if we're living for Jesus, it will look different. We're not called to just go with the flow and do what everyone else does. If we obey Jesus and we show his love and kindness in our lives, people will notice People will say something. Sometimes people will ask a question and it might be framed in a kind of hostile way. Why do you have to be so honest all the time? But maybe there's an opportunity there. Maybe you can invite friends to just hang out with us as a church and other, or your other friends who are Christians. And it could be, it could be a church social. We've got um, a new thing coming up uh, it, in November, a Kaylee, a barn dance here. If that is your thing and you think you might be able to get some friends along to that, should be a great evening. Um, often you'd be surprised, if you're a Christian, that people come along and they think, wow, there's a, there's a different atmosphere here. The way people are with one another, the way they, they treat one another. And, and we think, oh, we're just used to that. But actually it strikes people and it can lead to opportunities. Maybe you could offer to pray for someone or with someone. Pray for someone. You know, you're talking to someone who's going through a difficult time, and I guess often people will, if you say, oh, I'll pray for you, they won't really perhaps hold that against you. But go back and ask them later on, how did it go? 
and just shows that you care. And maybe that could lead on to something. If God answers a prayer, yes, maybe that lead on to questions. Maybe lead on to a question, you know, do you really believe this? Do you believe that God really answers prayers? Isn't it just a coincidence? Let's pray that people will ask questions and pray we'll know what to say. It's not actually a bad thing to say, someone asks you a question, say, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll find out. Might be a question about, you know, there's stuff in the Bible, but surely these, uh, the, these um, accounts of Jesus, surely they've been changed. How can we know that that's actually true? Isn't it like Chinese whispers, the stuff in the Bible? We can't really be sure that this is whatever happens. You might say, well, actually, I, I, I don't think it is like that, but I'm not sure of the answer. But let me get back to you. Let me um, ask someone, let me look that up, and I'll come back to you. And the good thing about that is actually you get another chance to talk to them. And maybe then you'll be ready for the next time someone asks you a similar question because you've answered it already. But let's be asking God to prompt questions amongst people we know. And to look to God. We're talking about being empowered for witness. God promises to help you. By his Holy Spirit. You might not know his help until you get, go for it and step out and start trying to witness for him. Then you may know his power. It's not like the power will necessarily come on you at home. Right, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to go out into town and speak to someone. No, you may sense that power coming on you. I've experienced that myself when I was a student. We used to go out into the student union with these uh, questionnaires to try and get people talking about their, their faith and life and Hopefully get talking about Jesus. And I was totally terrified going out doing this. But every time we found actually God sort of met with us as we were doing it. We prayed, we went out. And you just sensed God was with you, helping you to know what to say in the moment. So let's answer people's questions. Let's pray that people ask those questions. Let's look to God to help us know what to say. But the second one is to tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Listen to how Peter continues to speak to the crowd. Verse 22 to 36. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by wonders, miracles, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, and this is a quote from Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Back to Peter. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, 
nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, this is from Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. We're not going to go through every detail of what Peter told them about Jesus. But it was about Jesus, wasn't it? It's all about Jesus, in fact. Here are the kind of headlines. His incarnation. This is God uh, becoming man Jesus the Son becoming a real man, both God and man. He says, Jesus of Nazareth was a a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Jesus proved who he was as a son of God by doing things that only God can do when he came. Water into wine, calming the storm, healing the sick, raising the dead, forgiving sins. And it talks about his death on the cross saying that it was both God's deliberate plan and it was an act of evil by those who did it. God, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, God's amazing plan can use uh, both uh, his plan for good and even when people do things wrong, he can use it all for good. And we see that most of all at the cross where Jesus paid for our sins with his innocent death on the cross in our place. So the incarnation, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. Peter makes it clear it had to happen. It was God's plan. It was impossible, he says, for death to keep its hold on him. He's the king. He's God's son. He was the Messiah. And he quotes from the Psalms to show that even his resurrection was planned in advance by God. David wrote this psalm a thousand years uh, before. And he also talks about his ascension into heaven. Talks about him being seated in glory at the right hand of the Father, and Peter connects us with sending the Spirit as well. What's Peter doing here? He's telling them about Jesus. And he's telling them, actually, we might not pick this up, but he's telling them about Jesus in a way that connects with the people who are listening. He's speaking to Jewish people, this Jewish crowd, and that's why he's he's doing these quotes from the Psalms. It's like he's giving them proof. And he's talking to them about things that they would have been familiar with already. He's talking about Jesus as the Messiah, the one that they were expecting to come, the one God had promised, his king. But they needed to hear about Jesus. They needed to hear about Jesus so they could make a right response to him. And if you're a Christian, you need to tell people about Jesus as well. It's not just... The general stuff, it's good to tell general people general stuff about God and his love and that we love them and that the church is a nice group of people and we've got some great activities going on here. But people need to be told about the Son of God who loves them and gave himself for them, who offers them forgiveness and new life and the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with them and empower them. It's not easy, but sooner or later, we do need to get to the heart of the issue. It's been great this morning to be lifting up Jesus. I don't think anyone during that worship time would think, you know, 
Jesus isn't important. We know Jesus is at the heart of everything. He's at the heart of your Christian. He's at the heart of your life, isn't he? And yet it's so easy, isn't it, when we're, we're thinking about people who don't know Jesus. They're not Christians. Sometimes talking about Jesus is the thing that's sort of furthest from our mind or the thing that we think is going to be the most difficult thing to do. Paul in Romans 10 quotes uh, that bit of Joel, which Peter said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But he also goes on to say this, Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It is easier to stick to talking about church, church activities, but never get around to speaking about the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, the one who is the only way to God. He said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not because God is sort of uh, narrow-minded. It's that God has wonderfully provided a way back to him, his rescue package. But it's only in Jesus. It's not easy sometimes to talk about Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You mentioned Jesus. Do you know even just the name Jesus? The conversation goes dead. He divided people when he was on earth. He still divides people today. But we need to take people to Jesus if they are to put their faith in him and be saved. Or at least take people to someone else who will tell them about Jesus or an event where people will hear about Jesus. It's great that uh, some of you are on uh, Glenn Scrivener who's coming to speak at Food for Thoughts when he did his 3-2-1 go evangelism training course a couple of years ago. He had this idea of bringing Jesus into the conversation to try and find a way of saying, you know, that's what I love about Jesus. Now, you might think, I've tried that, or I could never imagine that working. It sounds so cheesy. But people have tried it, and certainly Glenn has tried it, and it does work. It's never going to be that easy to bring Jesus in, unless there's someone specifically asking about him. But it's something that we, we must think, I want to overcome my fears, because people need to hear about him. It could be that, you know, how might you use that? You might say, you know, to someone, look, I know what you mean. Sometimes, yeah, life, one thing does go wrong after another. But as a Christian, that's what I love about Jesus. He, he keeps me going. He gives me hope, even through those times when everything's going wrong. It's one of the reasons why as a church, to, to tell people about Jesus, one of the reasons why we want to have events here that talk about Jesus. So we've got lots of things going on. Uh, people coming to King's Tots for many years and uh, we've got quiz nights. Um, and these are, can be crucial steps along the way, but we also want to have things like this Food for Thought event where we're just dropping in like a bit of Jesus. If, you, if you, you, someone came to the uh, wine tasting event or someone said they were going to come to the wine tasting event and said, well, I'll come, but I'll put my earplugs in during the talk. And I thought, well, that's fine. Just come, just come, and it might actually be better than you think it's going to be. But events like that where we think, actually, come for a nice meal, you'll have a nice evening. Um, In your mind, you might need to put up with a talk, but actually, you might hear something that interests you, and it might lead on to something else. So we try and have things with a bit of Jesus 
in them, like the wine tasting, like the food for thoughts, like the Christmas wreath making that we've got coming up near a Christmas, like the craft, family craft and carols. Just a, a bit of Jesus. It's not the whole thing we do, but just a bit, just to get people interested. And it's a great thing. If you think, I, I really want my friends to hear about Jesus, then that's a great thing, uh, sort of thing to invite them to. We have other things with a bit more Jesus, a bit more Jesus content, like the carol service or the nativity service or the Alpha Course, or on Sundays. But we've just got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be clear. People do need to hear about Jesus. That's why it was such a priority for Peter to get round to Jesus as soon as possible. I've been reading this book uh, this week. I think we're going to get some of these in and give you all a chance to, uh, to buy a cheap copy of it. It's great. It's called Intentional. It's a really short book. Um, it's called Intentional Evangelism That Takes People to Jesus. And in it, the author, he talks about how after a tennis match, uh, someone asked him, oh no, I think he said, he said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a vicar. He said, oh, would you, be, you know, why do you believe in God? And he said, oh, well, just, you know, on a lovely summer's evening, look around you. Look at this, you know, and I suppose the kind of thing, you know, what, what a wonderful world we live in. It, it points to a creator. And that's not a bad thing to say. That's that's uh, in the Bible, that kind of idea. The heavens declare the glory of God. But he said on reflection, actually, uh, an even better thing is to be able to say, you know, how do you know God exists? Well, actually, he came. He revealed himself to us. 2,000 years, Jesus came. And, and take it from there. And this book is it's great. It's all about, it starts, it's, all, it's definitely for people who are scared, who don't know where to start in talking about Jesus, but it is very clear. It's saying, actually, we do need to take people to Jesus. That, that's where we need to head. In fact, we need to take them to the cross, ultimately. They need to know that Jesus died for them and rose again, and they can put their faith in him and uh, reconnect with God in that way. It's a great book. We'll, uh, we'll get hold of some of those uh, in the coming weeks. But... Um, yeah, let's just, let's just be honest about that. And, and maybe we do need to be honest with God and say, God, I, I do love Jesus. He is the most important person in my life. I do want to tell people about him, but I don't know where to start. Please help me. And this series is all about saying, actually, we have been empowered by the Spirit. We've been empowered by the Spirit. Ask God to help you. Ask God for opportunities. Maybe do some prep, you know, Think about what you might say in your small groups this week. Talk about this. How can we get, Jesus, get people to Jesus in our conversations? It may not be the first conversation we have, but we want to get them there, don't we, so they can trust in him and know his life-changing power. So Peter told them about Jesus, but lastly he called for a response. Call for a response from verse uh, 36, 37 onwards. Um, in verse 36, he finishes his message with this challenge to those Jews. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's saying, look, all I've been telling you about Jesus shows that he's Lord. He's the king of all. But he's Messiah as well. He's the chosen one. He's the one that God promised to send to you as a Jewish nation. You know all about this, but you rejected him. He was speaking to people who would have been involved 
around when Jesus was actually put to death on the cross. He challenges them. You need to recognize Jesus as Lord and Messiah. But the miracle that day was that they didn't say, oh, what a load of rubbish. It says this, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Peter called for a response to Jesus. God And God brought the message home to them. They were cut to the heart. It really struck them. They could see that they'd rejected Jesus. And they wanted to do something about it. And Peter says they need to repent. That had been Jesus' message as well. It doesn't just mean saying sorry to God. It means turning around. It means you're walking in one direction in your life, doing things your way. Maybe you're the most important person in your life. Maybe your family is the most important people in your life or your your work, whatever it might be. And you turn around and say, I want to live a God-centered life going God's way. That's what repenting means, changing your direction in life to say, actually, Jesus is my Lord now. He's in charge. He's in a driving seat. It's a great thing. It doesn't make your life worse. It just makes it better And he called for them to be baptized, plunged into water as a symbol of what God had done in their life. The Bible says that baptism is a symbol of two things. One of being washed clean from our sins, like with the water. Jesus took our punishment that we deserved. It's been washed. Our sins have been washed away. We don't have to face it. And baptism is also a symbol of of dying to our old life and rising again to a new life with Jesus in charge, following and serving him. It's so important that people respond to Jesus as well and that we may need to be the ones who say to them, what are you going to do about it? Or where where are you with things? It's not just enough to have people maybe, you know, I've talked to them a few times and I think they're okay with it all. I think they're okay with my faith or I think, you know, my husband or wife, you know, I think they're, they're sort of all right with it all. You know, they've been along to church a few times. Um, you know, we, we, we do need to perhaps give that challenge to people. People need to come to that point of saying, actually, I decide to follow Jesus. What about the people? We've got our autumn challenge going on at the moment. Three people uh, to reach out to, praying for one person to become a Christian by Christmas You may invite someone to an event. You may have a conversation with someone. But there may come to that point where you actually have to say, where where are you with all of this? What what are you thinking? Are you stuck in in some way? What would stop you from becoming a Christian? I was listening to an evangelist talking. uh, Someone who is um, responsible for, of course, a bit like Alpha, but equally popular around the world. Christianity Explored. And he was saying that times have changed. It used to be that you could bring a friend along to a cow service or bring them along to Alpha or 
something like Christianity Explored. And the people on the course would do the talking. The person would become a Christian. They would respond there and then. But often now, people are so far away from faith and the, the backgrounds to that in their families. They need that trusted friend, that trusted Christian friend to take them to something and to kind of almost take them back after, to take them back after Alpha and, and be the one who says, so how did you find that then? What, what, did you, what did you think? Is there anything sort of holding you back here? Do, do, is there anything I can help you with? And, you know, take them to a carol service. Ask them, how, how, how was it? And rather than think, well, I think, I think they were all right about it. They, they sort of sat there and they didn't, didn't walk out during the talk. So perhaps it was all going in. You know, maybe we need to be the one. You don't have to be an evangelist, but you can just be a Christian friend to someone who says, what do you think? Where are you with this? Would you be ready to become a Christian? It might sound really difficult, but just remember, remember the Spirit. Remember the Spirit. Remember the empowering of the Spirit. God has empowered you. If you're a Christian, God has empowered you for mission. You can do it with his help. It's an amazing response at the end of Peter's message. 3,000 people become Christians, accept Jesus, and they're baptized and added to the church. And it all starts with 120 believers. That's what we've got, about 120 members, adult members here at King's. Let's believe God that he can do amazing things, that he wants to do amazing things with us, not just us in general, but actually with each of us. There are people who are perhaps not Christians, and maybe you're the only Christian they know. That might seem like a bit of a responsibility, but actually it's an opportunity God has given you. It is a responsibility. How do you want God to use you? God does want to use you. He wants to use you as you are, not turn you into a different person. You're not, not not do, tell you to do something that you could never do, but actually help you to be the person he's made you to be in the power of the Spirit, witnessing to Jesus, prompting people's questions, answering their questions, telling them about Jesus at the right time in the right way, and prompting them, calling them to respond to him. It'd be great to have a baptism service soon um, at church, maybe early in the new year. And I have a load of people lined up who've become Christians in this period. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to see what God does? But he'll do it through us. Let's be open to him. Let's say, God, I want you to use me. Empower me by your spirit. Should we stand together? Let's just maybe stand and pray and respond to this. We just have a moment to just speak to God about it. Maybe you're feeling got at. Maybe you're feeling guilty. Maybe you're feeling frightened. Maybe you're thinking this isn't for you. Maybe you're feeling excited. Maybe you can't wait to get going. Just talk to God about how you're feeling about this. Maybe anything that you feel he's saying to you. Father, we want to remember Jesus again. Just remember the wonderful time of lifting up Jesus as we worshipped him earlier on. As we remembered what he did for us with bread and wine. We do thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the way that he's changed our lives. Thank you that, that he's the hope of the world. 
Lord, we do pray. Pray, Lord, please give us the chance to take someone to Jesus, to, to point someone to Jesus, to, to speak of him. We pray, Lord, for real questions from people. Lord, people who really want to know. People, Lord, in whose hearts you're working. And we pray, Lord, fill us with your spirit again, Lord, that we might know what to say, how to say it. Lord, that we might lead people to Jesus and see people come to know him. Lord, respond to him properly. Use us in all of this, we pray. Lord, use us with all of our, perhaps, background of trying it and it hasn't worked. Lord, of feeling fearful, of getting it wrong, of thinking we could never do that. It's someone else's job. Lord, we pray you might use us as your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.